Um, so I don't know if you've kind of worked out that actually we're sort of semi, we're going backwards in time because <laughs> we, we finished with a beautiful finish last week. Joe finished the, um, the Sermon on the Mount. And, uh, but I was meant to do this last breakfast and then I didn't, basically. We had lovely wild ram coming in and doing the um, uh, fan outside. And Simon had asked me to do it and I had said... I'll have a look, I'm not sure, because it was my busy period at work. And then I looked at it, like, as I do, last minute, the week before, and I was like, oh, I really do want to do this. So I messaged Simon and said, oh, I can. He's like, well, YWAM's coming now. And I was like, oh, man. He said, but you can do it in September. So I said, okay, I'll do it in September. So which is why it's all a bit uh, skew-iffy. Um, but it means, it speaks a lot to me, because um, the, you know, as most of you know, I'm a nanny. I love being a nanny. It is the best job in the world, but there is a, um, an ever-present. One job finishes, and they'll have to find the right job next. And there's no continuity, and there's no guarantee that what I'm going to get in one job, I'm going to get in the next. And I'm constantly living with an end and a beginning, and not progression, which is I struggle with, and I struggle with, you know, so that whole do not worry is something <laughs> very, very pertinent to me. So I was really excited about it. And then, when I actually sat down to do it, I was like, man, this is much harder than I thought it was going to be. So I hope I provide the right word. No pressure with Simon. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I feel like, you know, I need to solve all your ills this morning. I am not going to do anything. I'm only going to let God do whatever God does. So, you know, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Um, I thought Simon was going to read. He did say, but, you know, he did. And then he didn't. So I shall read at five. <laughs> Um, so Matthew chapter 6 verse 19 treasures in heaven do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also the eye is the lamp of the body If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, or reap, or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labour or spin, and yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all of his splendour, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the field of the grass, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. But tomorrow we'll worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So, um, question. Who'd like a million pounds? Be honest. 
<laughs> Anyone who hasn't got their hands up is a liar, liar. Who would like a million pounds? We'd all like a million pounds. If I said to you, you can have a million pounds today, but tomorrow you die. Hands up, who'd still want a million pounds? <laughs> no. <laughs> and no, of course not, because we, you know, we want it for this life. Um, what about, uh, you can have a million pounds, but you might be um, ill for the rest of your life, or you might be um, not able to see your family for the rest of your life. When we can think about it like that, that puts in perspective how valuable money is to us. It isn't as valuable as the people, the love, the relationships, the health, life that we have. What about um, the... Oh, I've got something written down. I've forgotten where I put it. Um, what about if you were given one day of hardship and then the rest of your life was easy? Who would take that day of hardship? <laughs> yeah, me. I would take that day of hardship. Um, and it's that kind of... In, it's that same thing as you remember that on your deathbed, what are you going to be thinking about? Are you going to be thinking, oh, I'm so glad I have a porter in the driveway. I'm so glad I've got a million pounds in the bank. Or are you going to be thinking, I, what's going to happen to my family? Are my family going to be okay? Where am I going? What's going to happen to me? It kind of right sizes. And that's what Jesus is trying to do in this, these passages. He's actually trying to right size the kingdom of heaven in our eyes today. Because there is a long-term consequence. There's a forever consequence of our lives today for the kingdom of heaven tomorrow. So the kingdom of heaven um, is basically when we're, we're living with God. And we can do that on earth and we can do that in heaven, but we're talking forever. So well, let's look at what Jesus says. What is Jesus saying? Um, so he starts off with saying, store up heavenly treasures, not earthly ones. So what are earthly treasures? Well, they're things that are valuable to us today but that have no long-term help, no long-term meaning, no long-term value. And heavenly treasures are things that do have long-term value. And by long-term, I mean eternity. I mean not this life, but the next life. And our earthly treasures are gone like that. So our entire life on the end, on, uh, that we live feels really long to us. But comparatively to what's coming, it's a snap. That's our life, and then... The rest of it, of all time, is the next life. So we've got to put in perspective, Jesus is saying, where do you want your focus to be? Where do you want your value to be? Where do you want to put your um, focus? Money, houses, jewellery, cars, tech, reading, um, that's my downfall, gaming, music, all lovely things. And things that have been given to bless us, but they won't help us in the next life. They won't bring us through. They won't give us any value long term. But that relationship that we have with God, the prayer, meditation on his word, meditation in God's presence, community church, um, uh, the things that we do, the, all this list of stuff that we've got coming up, um, reading the Bible, all of that are building blocks for something bigger, something forever. And so what God is... Fortunately, Jesus isn't asking us to eschew all earthly things. We don't have to go and live naked in a desert. Good things. But what he is saying is, um, put, don't put your time and your effort building on these things. Put your time and your effort building on things that have actual value, which is 
you know, it's quite hard. When we, um, store, when we build up our... We, we don't have to store these things. We have to have them, and, but not put our focus on them. So when we store up heavenly treasures, we're building for the next life. What we need to do is put on our Jesus glasses when he says, your eyes are the lamp of the body. So if our eyes are healthy, then our body is healthy. So we have to look at everything with our Jesus glasses on, not rose-coloured glasses, with our Jesus glasses on. So I'm going to earn more money because I want money turns into, with my Jesus glasses on, I want money so I can help my family. I want money so I can provide for someone who has nothing. I want money for a purpose, for a purpose that has more than this, more than my selfishness in in myself. And uh, I want to climb the career ladder. I want to be the most powerful I can be, turns into, with your Jesus glasses, I want to climb the career ladder so I can provide an amazing work environment for the people around me, so I can give them a a fair and firm leadership. It changes our perspective when we have our Jesus glasses on. Even things like going shopping can be really annoying because people are annoying and you go and people are slow or they get in the way and you can put your Jesus glasses on and say, right, well, this is an exercise in patience. This can be the one person that they have saying something nice to them today instead of the 12 people they've had moaning at them because they're too slow. You know, people, the way we live our lives with our Jesus glasses, we can bring him everywhere we go, which means that everything we uh, do and everything we touch and everything we gain means, if we have our Jesus glasses on, that we're only serving one master. So that passage where Jesus, where Jesus says, you can't serve two, you either hate one and love the other or despise one and love the other, and I thought, well, I don't despise money. I have spent more time than I'd like to admit daydreaming about winning the lottery, which I never actually play. So I'm not quite sure how I'd join it. But if I had a million pounds, what would I do? So I've always struggled with that. But looking at it in the context of this, this, whole, this whole section, it makes more sense. It's basically saying, what's your focus on? Those amazing, those things that I'm blessing you with, have you got your Jesus glasses on? Are you looking at your life through my lens? What would I rather have, God or money? So <clears throat> then we get to what seems like the most useless advice known to man. Has anyone ever been told, don't worry? Yes, I have. Did it help? No, of course it didn't. No, it doesn't help. It's useless. Except for the fact that Jesus is saying it with authority as someone who actually has an effect in your life, as somebody who actually has uh, the ability to change your life, to help you inside and outside. So it actually says, you know, so when it says... Therefore, don't worry. What he means is, we've just talked about how we have to have our Jesus coloured glasses on for everything. So therefore, we're choosing Jesus. So therefore, don't worry about money because God's got it sorted. God knows everything that you need. God has got um, his focus on the things that you need. Uh, Talks about the birds and the flowers and how much he provides for them. And... Yet, it says we're more valuable. Why are we more valuable? Because in all of the billions and billions of things that have been created by God on earth, only one thing that has been created was designed to have a reciprocal relationship with God. And that was us. We are the only ones that can come back to God. God provides for his creation. He provides for the birds. They have no idea who he is. He provides for 
um, you know, all of the animals, and he brings forth all these beautiful plants. None of them have any idea who he is. He provides for us, but we know who he is. And that is why we are way more valuable to him than all of the other things in creation, because we are built differently. He breathed into us. There's a part of us in him which is um, unique. No other created being, being has a part of God within him at all time. So we are, when he's saying to us, don't worry, he is completely saying it with authority and with a, I'm on your side. I love you, I made you, I've got you, I'm for you, I want relationship with you, I know you, I know everything about you. And that's what we have to sort of remember. And as Simon said, that still doesn't help us. We still struggle. We know all of these things and we still struggle not to worry. And, you know, we actually do have to refocus and we have to retrain our brain. You know, you quoted Psalm 23 and I was like, God is so good because a lot of what people have said in their prayers, I'm like, oh, I'm going to say that later. (laughs) That's interesting. Um, In Psalm 23, we're told that God has provided a feast for us at a table. And at this feast is every good thing we could ever possibly have. All our bodies would be fed, our souls would be fed, our hearts would be fed, relationship in abundance, love in abundance, peace in abundance, grace in abundance. Nothing at this lavish feast is scrimped upon. However, because we live in the world and because we are not living in heaven just yet, God says it doesn't actually mean you're going to have no, no troubles because that's not what this life is about. That's what the next life is about. That's what the forever part. But this life, you are. So he sets this feast right in the middle of our troubles. And in 1 Peter 8, it says that our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So while we're sat at the table, he's there stalking behind us, watching over our shoulder, trying to get our attention. But here's the beauty. While we're at the table, he can't actually touch us. He can't grab us and pull us out from the table. He can't remove anything from the table from us. He can't actually touch us. But what he can do is try and get our attention. So what he can do is roar. And he can be like, your money worries. Your health worries. That person doesn't like you. What are you going to do? You've got no job. You suck. And he wants us to do this. He wants us to look away from the table at all these things that he's yelling over our shoulder. That's how he gets our attention. He takes our attention away from the grace and the lavishness and puts it on all the things that we are so worried about and stressed about. He roars to try and gain our focus. And it's up to us, and I'm not saying this is an easy thing to do, to choose where to put our focus. We have control over our thoughts. We don't think we do. Our first thought we don't have control over. The first thought we ever think is some, of something is what we've been trained to think, what we've been, you know, is a product of our upbringing, is a product of being a part of the world. But our second thought is the choice we make. And it's not always going to be easy, and we don't always choose right. You know, it says here, do not worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear, for the pagans run after these things. The pagans are those who don't know God. So they have no provider. They're not sitting at this table of provision. They can. They are always welcome. God never turns anyone away. There is no one who goes to God who is turned away. That's just not how he works. However, unless they actually come to the table, 
He's not providing that for them. So they run after these things because they don't. They have no. They have no. They don't know how they're going to get it. It is, you know, us. But it says, our Father, our heavenly Father, knows that we need them. But seek first His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. So, we need to look at God and go. You've said you're going to provide this for me. You are where I want to put my focus. No matter how much this is roaring, no matter how much. And I, for me, I have certainly found, you know, and I should listen to myself because I know the answer for myself that I don't always follow is spending time in relationship with God actually fixes so much of my life. And, fix, and it doesn't make it better, but it just makes me able to cope with things so much more. The more time I've got to spend with God, the easier it is. And what he has taught me is that I need to spend time at the table, looking at the table, and ignoring the roaring lion trying to distract me. I need to focus on God, not in the context of the problems that are over my shoulder. I need to focus on God because God is so worth focusing on. He's just so unbelievable. And he wants us and he wants relationship with us. You know, when we, I'm not going to say his name because otherwise he'll be like, hello. <laughs> when we got our dog, B-O-A-Z, who's under the table watching me, hope he's listening, he's learning. Um, he came to us as this manic one-year-old puppy, Springer, Springer and Cocker Spaniel, who'd spent most of his life in a crate and was so full of energy and his brain was so buzzy, he just did not stop. And it was hard work. It was very hard work. One of the things that we wanted to do particularly was to stop him jumping on the kitchen table because he just, whoop, up you go, whoop, up you go, literally about 20 times a day, up you go on the kitchen table. And so we... We taught him how not to jump on the kitchen table. And we did not teach him anything at the kitchen table about not jumping at the kitchen table. We played a game with him where we switched his focus from having a toy in one hand to having a toy in the other hand. And he had to switch his focus from looking at one thing to another. We threw food out and he'd chase after it. Then we'd throw it under a cup and hide it. And he'd have to stop and go backwards before he'd get the food. He, we retrained his brain to switch focus and somehow miraculously... That stopped him jumping on the table. <laughs> Isn't that the most bizarre thing? But that is what we need to do with God. We need, we, with our brains, we need to refocus. And, we need, and, that's, and that will solve a lot of things without us even having to look at them. And that's not saying we shouldn't ever bring our problems to God. Because he asks us to. And he tells us we can bring them to him more than once. He, can tell, he tells us we can bring them to him as many times as is needed to bring them to him. But what he's saying is, don't bring them to me to the exclusion of this relationship at the table, this feast I'm providing. Don't come to me with just problem, problem, problem. Don't sit at the table and go, but look at this and look at this and can you help me with that and can you help me with this and can you help me with that thing and all that thing and that thing and that thing. Because if you're doing that, you're still not focusing on God and you're not focusing on the table. You can sit at the table and go, you see that? And God can say, yeah, I see that. You got that sorted? Yeah, I got that sorted. Okay, and then you can have time of communion with him. You don't even mention it again. He knows. He knows everything we need. We're told that multiple times. He knows what we need. And um, when, I, when I... I had a really clear example of this once. Because as with everybody, you have relationship goes up and down. You spend more time or less time with God in your life with things that are going on. And many, many years ago, when my best friend Debbie, lives in, who lives in Canada, lived in England, and before she was married, she had a couple of cats, 
Josh and Marmite. Randomly, Marmite was not the black cat, it was the tabby, but there you go. Um, and they were her pride and joy. She had lots of animals, but her cats were her pride and joy. And she asked me to look after them one day, well, quite often, actually. And I was there, and Marmite went missing, basically. She would always come in, was always regularly... She wasn't an outdoor cat, really. She'd go out, have a wander around, and then she'd come back. And I went out, and I searched for her. I couldn't find her. And I found it really stressful because I was like, they're her pride and joy. What am I going to do? She's got one over. Um, and I did all the things, you know, shaking the kitty box of kibble and do all the things and nothing worked. So I was like, right, well, I'll have to pray about it then. So I got down on my knees. I was like, God, Marmite is amazing and I need you to help me. And he went, stop. And I was like, woo. I don't want you to talk to me about Marmite. When was the last time you just came and spent some time with me? And I was like, yes, but it's really really important and he's like no no but I don't want you to talk to you I want you to talk to me just because you want to talk to me and it was really hard but I did I I spent I don't know how long I spent in prayer talking about talking to God I think I prayed through the our father in a kind of meditative way I don't really know but I know that every time I thought mom I I had to put it down and put it to the side and go I'm not gonna God doesn't want me to talk to him about mom I have to put that down and it wasn't easy, but I did do it. And then afterwards, I got finished, and I was like, right, well, I actually felt um, sort of uh, lifted. I felt much easier. I wasn't worried. I wasn't anxious. I was like, well, I did, wasn't thinking about Marmite particularly, but I thought, well, I'll go out and find her. And if I, if I don't find her, then fine. So I walked her into the kitchen, and there she was sitting on the table. <laughs> and that is exactly what God does. He's like, you don't need to go on and on about these things that worry you. I've got them. I'm, I'm sorted. I know. When my relationship with God is my focus, when I spend time with him outside of um, just bringing him my worries or my needs or my wants... Life is easier. I, and I'm not saying... Uh, there are people who have um, genuine anxiety and mental health issues and things like that. I think this helps, would help with that. But there's also medication. And I'm not, I'm not an advocate of never do anything apart from prayer because God has given us this amazing world with lots of opportunities for help from other people. But I'm talking about our day-to-day lives when we do have anxiety about my next job or... Where's the money going to come from? Or, you know, I'm really sad. You know, what can I do? I just focus... So what I'm saying is when you're in relationship, it doesn't change the bad stuff that happens, but it changes how you feel about the bad stuff that happens. It changes how, peace, how peaceful you feel. You know, when Jesus told the story of the prodigal son, um, he... Um, the prodigal son, <clears throat> when he was at home the first time, didn't worry about his food... And when he went away from that relationship with the father and went far away, he was fine for a while, but then the worries started coming in because he had no provider. His provider was far away from him, and that's when he started worrying. And then when he went back and went back in relationship with his father, he worried no more because his provider, he was living with his provider. And that's what we have the opportunity to do. Do we live with the provider and do we keep our eyes on what's coming next? Or are we so focused on what's this that we miss the gifts that God is giving us? So that's my challenge, excuse me. <clears throat> that's my challenge. Where is your focus? <clears throat> Do we focus on the wrong thing? And can we change where our focus is? Can we force ourselves 
away from looking over our shoulder at that prowling lion, focus that lavish <coughs> feast in front of us. And um, I kind of want to also challenge you to act this week, not to ask God for something. Maybe one, it doesn't have, doesn't have to be every day. It could be every day. It doesn't matter because God knows what you need. <clears throat> I want you to spend time in prayer just in worship, nothing else, because that's all you need to do with worship or just talking to him. Or, but don't ask for anything because we don't always need to. And in fact, I don't think we always should ask for things. I think God has told us he sees them. I think you <clears throat> need to think about what it is that you can do to build your relationship, to make it deeper. For me, I struggle over this term, this holiday, because I'm so busy with my job. I do way more hours. And um, I knew I was going to struggle and do less because I often pray when I dog walk and I was with the children, so there wasn't there much of that. And uh, <coughs> God, I really felt God saying to me at the beginning, well, just listen five, day, five minutes a day and do a worship song and just worship me. And so that's what I've done, and it has really, really helped me. And the, there was a period of time when I didn't do it, and I, there's a, I'm thinking about my next step, my next job, because it's in a couple of years. And when I had been building up my relationship and doing more, I hadn't really thought about it, and then I had a few days where I didn't, and then those worries started creeping in because I didn't have my armour of faith. I didn't have my you know, salvation and shield and all the other things because I wasn't focused, so then I made myself go back to listening to some worship and that's me because worship music is a big thing for me but it might not be that your thing so you need to find your own thing what can you do what speaks to you what one thing can you do that makes you have a little bit more than you did before with God and let's pray about that <clears throat> Father God I thank you so much that you are for us I thank you that